Hello and welcome to my first five years podcast. I'm Alistair Bryce Clegg. And I'm Jenny Johnson. And we're early years experts and the founders of My First Five Years, an activities and child development app for parents. And this is the podcast that will help you to find some of the joy in parenting and ditch some of that awful guilt and worry. Absolutely. And help get rid of some of that anxiety and have much more fun. Last time we talked about comparanoia. That feeling you get when you look at other people's children or parenting and worry your child isn't doing as well or you're not doing as good a job. And it really feeds nicely into this week's conversation, which is all about maths and how your child becomes a mathematician. And by the way, we're not talking about maths in an Einstein way. We mean how they learn maths concepts. And there can be loads of comparanoia around maths. I mean, especially when you get to those later stages of nursery and those early stages at school. And many of you, I'm sure, will kind of worry about how your child is doing compared to other children. But today, we want to reassure you by letting you know it's okay if they can't count to 10 by the time they start school. And also going to show you how children, even babies, can start to learn those maths concepts. Mostly through really good stuff like games and play, which you can do at home whilst also having loads of fun. First of all, let's clarify what we mean by children becoming mathematicians and why does it matter? I think in the broadest sense, what we need to be sure about is that maths is more than numbers. Yeah. So sometimes we can think it's about adding up, taking away, dividing, it's all about numbers. Yeah, counting to 10. Yeah, and... All the things you remember doing at school and hating most of the time. <laughs> but maths is about your experience of the world around you in terms of shape, space, pattern, measure, there is an element of number in there, but maths really feeds into everything we do all of the time. Even when you pour in your cereal, how much are you putting in your bowl? When you're eating your sandwich, how much do you put in your mouth? How much do you pour in your glass? So there's all sorts of things that we do in our everyday life, which is maths. We mm-hmm. just tend to think of it. Well, I do, because I think partly my maths experience has been a bit boring, a bit hard, a bit numbery, and not something that I really get involved in. And we want children to be passionate about maths. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when I used to run a, a group of children, nurseries and we'd talk to parents about maths and we'd say what what does maths mean to you it was always about counting it's always seemed to be counting to 10 counting to 100 addition and take away it was a very narrow understanding what mathematics is and the other thing I've often heard about is the language of mathematics absolutely so again that is in all of our life and the things that we talk about in our everyday existence the jobs that we do even things like put your bag down in front of that's behind the clock it's taller than it's smaller than so we use that language all of the time so I think what we want to do is just think about maths as rather than being that boring thing you did school if you were me not if you're my brother who really loved me yes some people love it absolutely strange people no not at all Uh, (laughs) you see you're feeding into the negative (laughs) stereotype there what we're really showing there is what we talk about all the time is that your experience as an adult absolutely is how you filter out into your children whether you like it or not it's subconscious literally it leaked out then even though you're doing a podcast about the gloriousness of mathematics yeah and i think it is what we're trying to change isn't it it's we're trying to help parents think differently about mathematics so that they share a different view of mathematics to the children and it becomes something that's fun and something that's play-based especially with our expertise being that naught to five space mathematicians will be always based around play absolutely 
So if we're looking at that um, development of mathematical understanding from birth through to five years, what sort of skills will children be learning and mastering during that time? I think we start at the end and work backwards. Okay. Sometimes as parents you think, as we've already talked about, things like recognising shapes or being able to record numerals mm-hmm. is really important because that's something we recognise as being an indicator of it's mathematics. like a traditional understanding, yeah. yeah. But actually, if we start at the very beginning, we're talking about concepts of shape, space, measure, and there will be things around counting an amount but it's that thing that we discussed earlier which is just about the concept of how maths is in everything that we do and not just labeling it as numbers and counting mm-hmm. but thinking about all of the different mathematical concepts that we're going to go on to talk about that will be in everyday life through play so let's talk about how we can help our children to learn and develop these maths related skills and if we maybe take it right from the basics from a baby through the journey into the sort of toddlers and beyond I think that'll help parents understand the different building blocks there are to get into those end results. Yeah and I think a lot of what babies and young children do that's quite mathematical it's just about parents recognising that that is actually maths and a Mm -hmm. lot of the really good quality maths learning comes through play and experience in the outside world. So when you've got very little children like babies, you're not going to be necessarily saying, let's count on our fingers. (laughs) Definitely not. But as part of that early language interaction with babies, you might be singing songs like one, two, three, four, five. Mm -hmm. So you'll be using the language of mathematics, but really the purpose of singing one, two, three, four, five to a baby is not about learning them to learning them teaching them to count to five Mm -hmm. it's about the language interaction but still you're surrounding them with the familiarity of that language so when babies are tiny in terms of maths there's obviously the space that's around them and them negotiating their space Mm. but you're not doing a lot of mathematical development but when babies begin to actually be aware of their surroundings when they begin to want to collect and touch things Mm -hmm. when they're beginning to move objects around them whether they be real toys or blocks or bricks And again, you're using that language around food and how many have you got in your bowl? How many have you got for your snack? What am I going to give you? So a lot of early mathematical development comes from adults and the language we use, Mm -hmm. but also the fact that children begin to collect things, like they'll pick up sticks and they'll collect conkers and various things like that. And again, as an adult, you'll be using language around collection and how many have you got and let's count i think the expectation isn't the children are going to be counting to 10 it's just you're introducing them to the concept of amount or shape or space or positional language mm-hmm. put it on top of let's move your car and put it into yeah so a lot of that early development comes from modeling from parents and am i right in thinking that pattern and rhythm and pattern changes are all part of a similar theme Yeah, and so there's pattern as in recognition of visual pattern, but Mm -hmm. there's also pattern in terms of the pattern that you hear, but it's all still pattern. Yep. So a lot of that will come in early nursery rhymes. Exactly, that's what I was thinking, and clapping along. Clapping games, which children find really difficult to start off with, things like clapping and beating out a rhythm. Yeah. But part of that is just continuing that process but even the pattern of language so when you're reading stories to children that begin to become to have a concept of language and they're repeating key phrases in yeah. the story yeah like then, the three little yeah, pigs or whatever it might that, be yeah, yeah as linked to mathematics even when you're handling a book and you're turning the pages and the shape of the book and the size and the thickness of the book and how heavy it is mm-hmm. all of that is maths mm-hmm. so Loads of the stuff that you will do naturally as a parent with your children is introducing them to some really key mathematical concepts and it's nothing to do with number lines and numbers. Yeah. I think one of the activities that often is underrated for the opportunity to introduce loads of different mathematical concepts is baking. 
Yeah, I think baking any kind of food prep, which has got a million other benefits around yeah, so personal much more. social interaction, a bit of ownership over the food that's being created. You've got all sorts of really good personal social development going on. But the fact, again, when you're following a recipe, mm-hmm. it's, there's a lot of maths involved in that in terms of shape, size, larger than, smaller than, full, empty, half, one. And it, we don't expect children to read a recipe. No, they're not going to be reading you know, 60 grams of, but maybe a half yeah. a cup of or something exactly. in a simple language that they'll so, understand. You know, we talk about standard measure and non-standard measure. So standard measure would be something like 10 millilitres, 100 millilitres, four ounces of. Yeah. Non-standard measure is kind of the weight of a fir cone, a brick, something that's the a size of. of. Yeah. yeah. And so that kind of idea of introducing them just to capacity and the idea that you mix these things together in different sorts of measures in different size of bowls with different sorts of spoons mm-hmm. and you produce something lovely at the end which then you can eat so it was there and then it disappears that's, that's very optimistic math. something well, lovely at the end nearly did most children <laughs> will eat something regardless but like i had one cake and now i have no cakes there's some nice there's maths. some nice maths so there's yeah bacon and the worry is, about the extra protein well <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit of extra protein finds its way in there one way or another but i think yeah something like that where you can have some shared time together it doesn't really matter how it turns out at the end it's more about the process do you know this thing about the process is so so important because it doesn't matter how it turns out at the end if it's edible great of course we, we want to make food that we can eat but it's probably not going to look particularly pretty and yeah. maybe not be that tasty um but it is the process and what they're learning and us backing off as parents and letting them you know yeah. maybe tipping just a slightly bit too much flour yeah. or whatever it might be i think that's is a massive part of it and we talk about that a lot in my first five years if you're constantly there going oh no 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 that's too much or that's too full let's do that again let's yeah. take it out micromanaging yeah. the process and it really damages the self-confidence and mm. if they get their scoop in there and you end up with flour all over the work surface them and you it's a bit of a like okay let's just go with it but what they learn is massive you know when they're trying to pick up a jug to pour in whatever the milk the oil the water and the jug is heavy and they're looking at what the tipping point of the water is and Mm -hmm. all of that is not about how many milliliters have you put in it's about that learning experience of being in control and having some power as a child but also you'll be learning about language maths fine motor gross motor social interaction really rich in learning opportunities in a really relatively simple activity, even if you can't necessarily eat what comes out at the end. Mm-hmm. Make good bird food. Exactly. There's yeah. always a use for always it. There's use. always a, a way to make sure it yeah. doesn't go to waste. So if we step the journey along a little bit and we look at maybe what they might start to be learning in the toddler room or the preschool room in their nursery, what's likely to be going on then and what can we best do as parents to support their mathematical learning? So my fundamental tip would be as a parent, don't worry or have that paranoia about my child needs to be able to count to 20, recognise their numbers because actually they don't. And whatever kind of preschool or school setting you put them into, Mm -hmm. once they've got a really good grounding in the basic foundations of mathematics, those things will Will come come. later. So I'm not against number recognition and I'm not against counting. So, of course, when you're out and about, you'll... Children love numbers that are significant to them. So what my birthday is, what my house House number is, the numbers on my car. Mm -hmm. So, of course, we're going to spot numbers as we're out and about. We might draw attention to that. We might be on the motorway counting how many red cars go past. What is it about that game that's such good fun? Oh, yeah. It (laughs) it does make the time go by. It does. So there's all sorts of things that we'll do in terms of counting. What I mean is, I know from working with lots of families where they were really 
stressed about the fact that when their child came to nursery, they didn't recognise all their numbers and couldn't write them down. Because mm-hmm. we're also thinking about how children are holding their mark-making implement, mm-hmm. the rotation of the number numeral is. So early on, there are all sorts of things that can get in the way. What's way more important is the children, if we are going to talk about number, have a concept of number. Mm-hmm. So we sometimes would talk about things like the threeness of three or the twoness of two. I remember the first time you said that, I was like, what on earth are you talking about, Alistair? So well, come on, explain. What is the twoness of two? So that's when children, regardless of the fact that that shape there is a number two, if I said to them, how many have you got? They could look and say two, one, two, or can you find me two, or can you bring me two, or how many ways can we make two? So there are, it's about children having a really strong familiarity with the concept of a number mm. and not being too worried about, I have to write down that this is a number two. Got you. And actually, we used to see that in nursery again quite a lot, where if we had parents that were hothousing the children's account, and I remember clearly a child that could count to 100, but you would say to the same child, pass me three of those, and they wouldn't know yeah. what three meant. So they could say the word and they could, you know, say one to 10, 10 to 20 and carry yeah. on. But the threeness of three, the twoness of two, they hadn't got. And what's so really developmentally, hard, that, that seemed yeah, back to front to it me. It is back to front. But then as a parent, when your child can say, oh, I can count to 20, off you go. Yeah, you get your then, bragging rights. Well, you do get your bragging rights. <laughs> and it's really hard not to have those. And then you'll get children that do that classic thing of they'll get so far through their numbers and then they always can't do 19, 20 yeah, and yeah. start again. And they're all really common things. But what children are learning then is just to parrot out any kind of rhyme that you could teach them, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. So way, way more important, I think, in those kind of preschool, nursery times that you are giving them lots of opportunity to do things like gather, collect count, play games. Games are brilliant in terms of reinforcing those mathematical concepts. But also spotting shapes when you're out and about, talking about shapes when you're around the house, but not necessarily making them learn their 2D shapes. Yeah, Making it part of play yeah. and making it relevant to them. And the more fun and play-based you can make it, that's when children are really open to absorbing knowledge and they will take in loads. Whereas, again, as we often say, with the best intentions in the world, if you sit them down Mm. with a shape book or a number book, trace these tiny numbers that have got dots on, you're likely to turn them off rather than turn them on. Yeah. Now, I've no idea whether you think this is a high-quality idea or maybe not so, but it's just something I know you will. You're not shy (laughs) in telling me. But it was something we used to do a lot of and my children enjoyed it when we were out and about we'd pick a number and try and spot it so it might be the number four and then we'd see it on number plates on bus numbers on you know telephone numbers that businesses list on their signs and things like that and it was just a bit of fun but it was starting to show context and you can do that for color you can do it for shape absolutely now is that fun or was that rubbish no it's not rubbish (laughs) in any way and it's fun depending on how you do it yeah of course yeah. yeah It's about saying, right, you know, what's our number of the day or when we're going on our walk to wherever we're going today, schools, shops, you know, four's our number, can we see a four? And that's mm-hmm. for children who are beginning to then learn mm-hmm. that when I've got the concept of the fourness of four, yeah. there is a little squiggly line or a number of squiggly lines that actually means fours. So when everybody looks at that, they recognise it as that. And what you want is a kind of synergy between my concept of the fourness of four and mm-hmm. then my recognition that of the number that's four. how I tell people that that's number four and if they can work in parallel that's great but shapes again you can do it with that you know you've got yeah, the wheels shape, on a car walk, or all yep, sorts of stuff the signs that are out yeah. and about but again it's fun and it's interactive and if it's really child-led yep. then they're going to get far more 
buy into it and you get way more success. I think another one that I saw successfully done, I haven't done this personally, but it was like a little bag and the child was picking like conkers and leaves and sticks and just shoving it all in the bag. And then when they got home, they emptied it out onto the kitchen table and they were just like sticks over there, conkers over there, leaves over there. And then whether you bother to count them or not later, you've kind of already as a very basic thing, you've sorted, which is a mathematical concept, and then you can add to it later. But also have a bit of fun with art and craft and making things with it, yeah. And there's a really interesting concept of when children count them understanding that the last number they say Mm -hmm. means the total amount. And you'd think that's dead obvious because you're adults. But actually you'll often say to children, right, how many have we got? And can we count them? And one, two, three, four, five. So how many have we got all together? And they'll go one, two, three, four, five. Right. And even with one-to-one counting, often they'll just go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There are only three things there, but they're just making their finger move along. So that skill of being able to say one-to-one, but also when I get to the end, that last number number. means everything. Mm -hmm. It's a real point of their learning. And so there's some interesting research that talks about the fact that for cardinal numbers, so that end number meaning the total amount, Mm -hmm. if we are working with children, we put things in a line and just go one, two, three, four, five, it doesn't make a lot of sense to their brain. If you have a bowl or a container and you say, let's count things into Into. the container, for their brain, it makes sense that everything then has gone into another vessel. So it's the concept of them all being together makes so much more sense. Mm, You can see that really. Counting into or out of is better than just counting along a line. And the other thing I think is really interesting around the psychology of learning anyway, but around maths, Mm -hmm. rather than saying how many have you got, which puts the onus on the child to get it right. Right. And the psychology of that, even for very young children, if you say, I think there are four, do you want to count them and see if I'm right? Mm -hmm. This is all about whether I'm right or wrong. So the pressure is now not on the child. And they go, one, two, three, four, yes, there are four, you were right. Or no, one, two, three, four, five, there are five, you were wrong. So they're getting all the learning without any of that subconscious stress of how many do you think are on there. So even little bits like that where we just have a slightly different psychology around, this is what I think, can you qualify my thinking? Yeah. Makes for much better and more relaxed learning. They are fabulous tips. And like you say, more relaxed learning. And that's what we want. We're trying to remove the anxiety from, you know, these skills that we want our children to understand. Simple stuff. Really simple. Even I could do that when I get home. Okay, so we've looked at babies, toddlers and preschoolers. Let's talk about this term school ready. (laughs) And first of all, what does it even mean? And what does that mean for maths and children? So we could do a whole podcast on the term school readiness. And what's really interesting about it is in the UK, there is not a definitive definition of what the government say that school ready is. Although internationally, there is data that comes under the school readiness heading. But if we talk about where we are in the UK, and it's if we talk about what my opinion of school readiness is, I think as parents, we can sometimes stress to give our children the best possible chance when they get to school, then if they can read and write and do all of those key milestones before Before. they get there, that gives them a good head start. Now, for some children, they will naturally make that progress. But for most children, what is typical is not by the age you start school to be able to read, write and do Mm -hmm. your numbers. Mm -hmm. And if you've got the really solid foundations, like I said earlier, then actually when you're at that point when you've got the really strong firm bed to build on, schools will be able to make those children make rapid progress or help them to make rapid progress. 
it's sometimes for me like saying we're going to run a marathon because learning to read, learning to write, learning to be a mathematician is a long and arduous sometimes journey that can be quite complex. But it's like saying, right, a marathon is 26 miles long, Mm -hmm. but let's start 10 miles before the start line because a 10 mile run into a 26 mile race will give you a really good head start. Right. When actually a 10 mile run in just knackers you out. And by the time you're trying to run your marathon, you can't. Yeah, you've had enough. Yeah. And often with learning, especially around things like reading, writing and maths, we start children way too early with the harder stuff, which should come at the end of the journey. Mm -hmm. When actually we could just be giving them lots of play based fun stuff which gives them the real firm foundations which means that when they get to school the adult can make a really accurate assessment of where they are and take them forward yeah and things will start to slot into place because they've got those foundations right so school readiness for me is about curiosity it's about creative thinking it's about resilience it's about that kind of personal social awareness it's about that ability to interact socially with your peers. Mm-hmm. They are the things that make you ready for school. Yep. And then what got layered on top of that is the more formal academic learning that can mm-hmm. be fed through play. But actually thinking that school readiness is about sitting still and knowing your numbers yep. means that actually you're not doing what's developmentally appropriate for yep. the children that you've got. I know when we look at international data on outcomes of older children, it's often the countries that start school later. Um, I think, for example, the Nordic countries start school at seven. So why would you say that is? I think it's just about the fact that those children are not not doing anything until they're seven. What they're doing is the society is set up in such a way that it values those early stages of development. And it's a kind of societal attitude as opposed to being linked to government targets. It's linked to child development. Mm -hmm. So there are lots of mechanisms that are available to support parents to support children around that ethos of those firm foundations often based in play that make you as we're saying ready for school so I think the main thing I'm hearing today Alistair about maths is that a it's a lot broader than many parents would necessarily initially think but also that the way to expose children to mathematical concepts is primarily in this not to five space through play absolutely and I think it's about parents using mechanisms like are up in my first five years to help them to know what that breadth looks like. And again, like I said earlier, they're probably doing a lot of it anyway. Mm-hmm. They're just not calling it maths. So given this is a podcast about mathematics, I'm going to challenge you to something beginning with the number five. Okay. <laughs> and that is, give me five easy hacks that will help children develop a love of mathematics. Ooh. Number one, keep it play-based. The more we can bring maths into play that makes it real for children, the better. Two, as an adult, be positive about maths. Yeah, true. So enjoy doing it with your children, but also do that thing where you say, oh, I'm rubbish at maths. Yep. Just think it, don't say it. <laughs> keep it every day. So try and bring maths into your journeys to the shop, when you go to the park, when you're <laughs> sorting out the toys. Make maths part of your routine. Play loads of games. So there's yeah. loads you can play. Dice games, card games, counting games, sorting games, bingo, lotto. There are loads and loads of maths-based games out there. And I think the final one, number five, don't stress about them recognising the written numbers one to ten. Get really focused on those early foundations around mathematical development. And the more you can do through play, the better. Brilliant. Thanks for listening today. Next time, My First Five Years will be talking about creativity 
and we'll show you how you can bring more creativity into your child's life and why it matters. And often I think we think creativity is just painting and glue and a bit yeah. of gluing and sticking, but there is so much more to it and I cannot wait to explore this topic with you. And on the weeks in between these podcasts, we'll be doing Q&As on our social media. So if you've got any questions you want to ask, send them in and we'll do our very best to answer them. You can find this podcast on all platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you want to read more about becoming a mathematician, don't forget to download the My First Five Years app. Don't forget to rate, review and follow My First Five Years as it really helps us. Thanks.